mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Really? Hi guys, I'm Megan. And I'm Meredith. And today we are talking about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And we also have a guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guest. Hi, I'm Webb. Uh, I've worked with both of these people for a while, and they invited me over to see this movie. Unfortunately. Yep, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> before we start, we're going to plug our Twitter, so Meredith, take it away. Make sure you guys are following our Twitter. We post a lot of stuff every day. Um, we really want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you want to see from us. And, you know, sometimes we'll put polls and stuff out. So it's really good. Follow us on Twitter, at ReallyPodcast. Yes, R-E-E-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> that was... I hate myself. You could have wrapped it. No, we're could not Could have gonna... done a little song with it. We're not going to do that. I could have just created a little beat for you right here. No. No. Next time. No. We'll see about no. next time. No. Well, we'll He's not coming time. back. Not you. The, the rap. Yeah. <laughs> see, now I'm going to expect a rap when I listen. Don't expect it. It's going to just come up randomly. But it, like, organically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to come up organically. You can't expect it or it won't be as good. Exactly. So, um, we've kind of decided, well not decided, but just because... I don't know a whole lot about this movie, but Webb and Meredith do. It's amazing how much they know about this movie. This was basically, like, my first time watching it all the way through, so I'm going to be kind of the mediator in a way. And y'all are going to just talk, 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 okay? Y'all got that? Are we got good? Yeah. yeah. No, I talk a lot. I'm fine with this. <laughs> okay, so, Webb, tell us your relationship with... The Holy Grail movie. The Holy Grail movie? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so, Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail is one of those comedy movies that, for me growing up, was something that I would watch with my brothers and my dad. And it was kind of introduced to me as something that was just, your mom's gone for the weekend. We get to watch all of the bad comedy stuff and the good comedy stuff. Here's all of Monty Python and then Spinal Tap. Because, you know... You need a good, nice cap of films. So, Monty Python is one of those things I watch with my family a lot when we want to relax. It's kind of our go-to movie when we want to chill. My introduction to it was kind of similar. I don't know where my mom was, but my dad called me and my sister into the living room and was like, we're going to watch Holy Grail. But it wasn't on any streaming platform, so we watched this this like YouTube version of it. And it had this big white ring in the middle of the screen, so it was super low quality. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of that same thing of, like, Mom's not here, let's watch Monty Python. I was going to say, it's one of those movies that you don't really expect to watch. You kind of get thrown into it, and That's then you exactly end up That's exactly how it is, yeah. That's probably why I never watched it, because I, I yeah. lived with my mom my whole life. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> No, but, okay, so, Webb's pouring himself some water with a shaking hand. It wasn't shaking. What are you talking about? It's for, it's for the audience, man. <laughs> you ruined it. Now we have to retake and make your hand shake while you pour water. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I'll be pouring more water. Don't worry about it. You've been drinking a lot of water. <sighs> yeah, I drink like a lot of water, I guess. <laughs> like, very great observation. Thank you. Speaking of drinking. Oh, no. Tell us about tea time with Nana. <laughs> okay. So, I also had a Monty Python. <laughs> Tea time with Nana. Tea time with Nana. Oh, and can I give a little context about my Nana real quick? And your family, just in general. Sure. Uh, My mom's side of the family is primarily from England, so we still have a lot of traditions and stuff from over there that we still take part in. But my Nana is this really lovely, uh, tiny Irish woman. Uh, She's like about five four. For reference, I'm six foot, uh, so I kind of tower over her, Um, but I was going over to visit with her, and I want to say I had a Monty Python phase, but it wasn't a phase, because I'm still in it. That's Uh, fair. It's not a phase, Mom. It's not a phase. It's a lifestyle That's kind of how it is, though, yeah. Yeah. So I'm driving over, and I have Monty Python songs going in my car, too. But pulling up into her driveway, and the song that's on is uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. So for those of you who don't know, it's the end song from Life of Brian. Uh, it's a bunch of people on crosses singing about how life will get better. Oh, God. It's very funny and dark. The song is catchy. Oh, it's great. It's a great song. but It's kind of got a good message if you take it out of context. I mean, if you don't see the video behind it, you think, oh, this is a really happy song. And then you see them on the crosses. Yeah, and then you're like, mmm, fiction. Maybe not. (laughs) Who knew that Monty Python could be metal? Anyway, I thought that I had turned off my Bluetooth when uh, I got out of my car and turned it off. So I'm going in, I'm sitting down at the kitchen table. My nana already has some tea made. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden... It just starts playing off of my phone. And this is one of those moments where I just think, why can't I just be good at technology? No. My Nana, though, reacted in just the perfect way. She didn't really seem too faced by it. She kind of just started humming it a little bit and then started singing it. And before I knew it, I didn't know that my Nana knew the entire lyrics to that song and was having a great time about it. Turns out my Nana is a bigger Monty Python fan than I am. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like, I still sometimes will get, like, a stray email from her and it'll just be a Monty Python song in there. It's an email? She sends emails, yeah. Very high tech. Yeah. Oh, she's very high tech. Does she ever send texts? Pardon? Does she ever send texts? Oh, yeah, no, she sends texts. My Nana knows how to work a cell phone, okay? <laughs> She's very on the ball. Your Nana is now our mascot. I'm fine with that. She's lovely. She probably would be, too. She'd probably be fine with it, too. Oh, she's very yeah. sweet. We need to have her on. <laughs> I'm not letting you have my Nana. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's not me, but I'm not allowed back, so, you know. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. No Nana. No Nana. You're just going to have to live with that. Yes, we have no bananas. I don't know. I have no clue what you're talking I, about. I just heard it in a book. Oh. How do you hear in a book? Audio Audio book. Duh. Now we're going to kind of move into the plot, and which is going to be extreme, well, it's difficult, just because it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. 
It's over, all over the place in a good way, though. Yeah. It's just gonna be hard. Because it's, like, telling the... I guess it was the backstories before they got... I don't know. It was yeah. confusing. They kind of introduce all of the little characters, and then they go into the plot. But if you look at it, the plot is really simple. Mm-hmm. The Knights of the Round Table go on a quest to find the Holy Grail. And hilarity ensues. And then, before the final curtain... They don't find it, and that's it. Well, I mean, that and, you know, the English police do a lovely job. But yeah, but that needs a little bit more explaining. Than yeah, just, which we'll get into. They yeah. just arrest them, but... Don't worry, that's coming up. It's coming. Okay, yeah, so the beginning... <clears throat> I can't... It's hard for me... Okay, so it's King Arthur, yeah. and he's yes. on the search... Well, not yet. Well, before we get into yeah. the actual movie, the beginning of the movie... Is a joke uh, of it, it, like in and of itself. The it's opening the start credits. Of the long joke. Yeah, the opening credits is the first joke of the movie. Oh, the moose. <laughs> Where they have Swedish subtitles. For some reason. Right. But English then, subtitles with Swedish lettering, yeah. Yeah. So y- you think it's Swedish, but then it starts getting into just like Webb said English subtitles with Swedish lettering. And the person who was writing the subtitles goes off on this tangent about how his mo- his sister got bit by a moose. And it was they, a majestic moose. And they keep going, and then it, like, scratches and stops, and it comes up and says, the person who was writing the credits has been sacked. And then they go through that whole, we've fired, some, we've fired a bunch of people because the credits are just all wrong. Mind you, the moose is coming back constantly throughout. And even then, when they get rid of the moose, you don't see it coming. Kind of like a left hook straight into your gut. Llamas. Yeah, so they changed Llamas. the style of the opening credits completely into this bright, flashing, bright colors like really upbeat and instead of a moose it's just everybody has llama in their name yeah i don't yeah. recommend it if you have epilepsy <laughs> oh yeah no that's very much a part that you can skip the llamas and still have a good time yeah but again it's one of those things i always forget about when i watch oh yeah you forget about it until your eyes are hurting from the flashing lights and you're just like oh not again yeah because it's like red and yellow back and forth yeah. i think it's like Subconsciously, McDonald's like wholesale. Yeah, it would not be above Monty Python to do a sellout like that, a subliminal sellout. We sold advertising for the movie. Where is it? The flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, it's like having it but not having it at the same time. Yeah, da, 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 da. llamas. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm woman in. Oh, no. <laughs> so then after the credits is when we get into all of the, the actual grail seeking. Webb's waiting for us to mention him pouring no, water. No, I'm not again. waiting for that. I'm He's making <laughs> sure that I don't pour it over while someone's talking. He's trying to be respectful. I'm trying to be a polite guest on your podcast, and here you are. <laughs> just calling me out so much wow suddenly i don't feel bad about not getting invited back (laughs) well you're really not invited back now (laughs) so they do all the character introductions of all the different knights and everything and it basically starts with king arthur and his little servant patsy yeah 
looking for more knights to join their, like, clique, basically. The Knights of the Round Table. I, I don't know what they're officially They're called. the Heathers. It's the Heathers. <laughs> but there's more than three. Oh, yeah. Sure. A bunch of different colors. Varying levels of bravery. <laughs> you want some water? <laughs> no? Okay. Get on with it! <laughs> so... Once all of the knights have gathered into the Knights of the Round Table, they decide to go to Camelot. And then there's this little musical number where they sing the song about being the Knights of the Round Table. And it's silly, basically. And then they leave, and King Arthur says, yeah, let's not... They don't even go in the castle. Yeah. No, it's, uh, the one yeah. is... Let's not go to Camelot. It's a silly place. Yeah, so then they leave, and as they're leaving, a vision of God appears in the sky, and God is animated in this by Terry Gilliam, who does the Monty Python animations, and he says, you need to find the Holy Grail. Yes. 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 Mind you, though, the entire time God's talking to them, you also get some good interplay between all the characters. Yeah, where they're trying to be the traditional, like, respect, respectful. And, God is above us. I must yeah. pay reverence type thing, and God is just not having it. Yeah, he's like, please look at me while I'm talking to you. Like, you treat me like a normal person. What if God was one of us? I feel like this is a strange moment because it's one of those things where God is clearly being rude, but you can also really sympathize with him just like wanting a normal conversation. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Like, he has to get bored of that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. So, after they have this encounter where they decide to go out and find the Grail and they come upon this castle. In perhaps one of the most iconic comedy scenes of all time, where John Cleese starts taunting them and making fun of them and saying, you know, all these rude things, and they're just trying to see, like, hey, can we stay here for the night? But John Cleese says, I don't think my master will be too keen, you know, whatever, leave me alone, please. And they're like, we will let him come on our journey to find the Holy Grail if you let us stay here. To which he says, we've already got one. We don't need it. We've already got one. What do you I'll... mean you already have one? <laughs> Can we see it? <laughs> I wonder who their master was. Does it ever say? No. No, it doesn't. So, there's a whole lot of taunting and some iconic lines thrown out. And then they start throwing livestock at at the Knights of the Round Table to get them to leave. I don't know how detailed I need to be with all this, but then they eventually move on and they split up and then different knights kind of have their own stories. Mm-hmm. Webb, do you want to talk yeah, about I, that I, I a little bit? Yeah, I can tackle this. Uh, so, for example, Galahad ends up going to Castle Anthrax and Galahad is Galahad the Chaste and he's being tempted by... A tower filled with women. Which I... He believes has the grail, but it turns out one of them was naughty and lit their grail-shaped beacon. And I think that scene is one of 
Michael Palin's best. Oh, just it because is. it really highlights his ability to play that like nervous, awkward character. You just feel bad for he's, him. He's so good at it. Hmm. But yeah, like I don't have anything to contribute to that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking. But yeah, continue Webb. Let me talk for you. <laughs> Thank so, you. You're welcome. So we have then Brave Sir Robin uh, going with his minstrels just out trying to find the grail. He went north for some reason. Uh, when he comes across a man with three heads and a big sword and they want to eat him. Well, and the whole time before they had come across this three-headed man, they're singing about how brave oh, he is yeah. and how he's not afraid to die, but he's not really the brave. He's Sir Robin the not-so-brave, so he's like just stop, please. I don't want to hear about how I'm going to die. They're just like, he's bravely going into uh, just places where he'll be ripped apart and shredded alive. Yeah. And it's just, I love that scene so much because he just looks so afraid. Just keeps looking <laughs> and back keeps behind keeps going. Like... <laughs> anyway, comes across this night with three heads. And the heads are all arguing about if they want to eat him or have tea. Pretty normal stuff. Uh... But they end up arguing so much that he actually ends up running away from them, causing his minstrels to start singing, uh, Brave, Brave Sir Robin, he bravely ran away. He didn't really run away. He did not. He he escaped. He, he escaped peril. That's still running away. Bravely. Running away bravely. He didn't run not away so screaming or anything, so he was brave in that he could compose himself. Did he... Did I feel he? like I missed a whole lot of this movie. <laughs> it's okay. This movie does that. You need to watch it multiple times. Yeah, you, miss stuff. you pick up stuff more when you watch it more. But now that you've seen it, you can recruit other people to see it. Exactly. So it's kind of like it's kind of like it's passing fun. the torch. You've seen it. Now you're responsible for showing it to somebody else. I think the best way of describing a Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. It's kind of like, it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. uh, just with people who have a different taste in comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that you watch it with people who have seen it, and they all say the jokes at the same time. They sing the songs and stuff. They do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. But it's like you're you're now contractually obligated oh, no. I to show somebody. You've been brought into the fold. Yeah. You don't have a choice. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know. I'm sorry, you don't really have much of a choice. Yeah. <laughs> John Cleese will bust down your door and taunt you in a French accent. Yes. And then throw livestock at you. Yeah. Uh, well, they threw cats too, which is made me sad. John Cleese, if you're <laughs> listening to this, Megan's address is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, no, tell him. No, I'm kidding. No, no. Um, so... There are other knights as well. Yeah, yeah they we go have, through their uh, little stories. We have Lancelot, who's just trying to be do something heroic, yeah. uh, and ends up slaughtering a wedding reception uh, yeah. to save a prince who is getting married against his own will. The prince just wanted to sing. Hey, the prince looks sick. The <laughs> prince was yeah, sick. Yeah, he did. I mean, I think it's kind of a joke about... The whole, like, way royal lines works. Yeah. There's some inbreeding there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, he was locked up in the tower. Probably didn't get a whole lot he of sun. He was locked up in the tower for the scene. 
Well, who's to say he wasn't locked up there before? Do you get a lot of sun in the swamp? What? They, the castle, the castle was built on a swamp. swamp. That was like the whole thing was the dad wanted him to marry. You missed a lot of this movie. Yeah, he I made the know. he made the joke that he had to marry this princess because she had big, yeah, land assets, right? Uh huh. Because <laughs> well, she was just big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the <a> joke. <laughs> so the dad wanted him. I think it was Princess Princess Lucky. Lucky. Yeah, so he wanted his son to marry this princess because her dad had access to all this land, mm-hmm. and he wanted his son to be able to get the land so that he could build more castles and stuff on it that wouldn't just sink into the swamp. I think it's. I talk very slow, and sometimes I can't process things quickly, and I feel like the accent, which is not a bad thing but some i just can't process as fast yeah that's a big thing with monty python is there are a lot of people who say that they can't that's not funny they can't watch it but it's really just because they don't understand like through the accent and everything Mm -hmm. and i find like even for me watching their show flying circus i have to watch it with subtitles Mm. because while some of it is clear and you can tell what they're saying some of it it's just just right over my head, you know? Yeah. So when you can, like, read along with it. I almost suggested turning them on while we're watching the movie, but... I feel like a f***ing plebe. <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. Just watch it again, and you'll be okay. <clears throat> That's right, you have to watch this film twice. Mm. At least. At least. Or you could be like us over here and just watch it way too much. Yeah. And listen to the soundtrack and everything. No, it's not just that soundtrack. It's all their soundtracks. It, they have a the bunch of songs. Of yeah, songs. they have a bunch of songs like throughout the show and everything else. Yeah. Which they just like it's very good. they just like play through my head at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. So also, good. another thing that is kind of throughout it are the police officers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. During one of these little cutaway scenes that they have, there's one where there's, like, the director's clicky thing. They're filming a scene with a famous historian. Yeah, so it says, film for school, and then the guy's description is a famous historian. Not his name. That's just a famous historian. His name is a famous historian. Right. Famous historian. That's what her name is. So as he's talking about the defeat at the castle or whatever, some guy just rides by on a horse and kills him with just a sword. Clean slice of the throat. And no question about it, he just keeps going yeah. and the body drops. And his the historian's wife like runs out and she's freaking out. Her husband just got killed. So then in a you know, a few scenes later, they go back to the woman and the police are there and they're taking notes and they return to it a lot. With, you know, covering him with the body bag and... Can I go a little off topic yeah. with this whole thing? Part of the film itself is that they weren't able to afford horses, but the only horse they were able to afford they used for killing that guy. <laughs> I didn't true. even realize that. I noticed it, So, but... the coconuts are what they used to replace horses, but that one scene, just where this historian just gets absolutely decked. I have horse. seen this movie... A good number of times, and I have always been the one to point out that they couldn't afford horses. Mm-hmm. I have never once, re- it has never once registered <laughs> in my mind that that man was on a horse. Yeah, it's a small scene, so you want to think about it too much, but yeah, there's a horse. And it's I'm, like you'd assume that they could afford horses, you know, because they're making a movie, but... Well, I mean, they their budget was tiny. But, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm actually angry right now. While she's angry, I'm going to go ahead and go forward a little bit with the story. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they find out that they need to find the grail by going to an enchanter, by talking to this old man who, and this is my favorite scene in the movie, he just starts cackling, not answering their <laughs> questions, and then just disappears. <laughs> Just, there's no explanation behind it till later, and that's even not really an explanation. That's even, how I felt watching the movie. Like, just cackling <laughs> and just leaving just suddenly. They also reference that scene throughout the movie, like, by name. Like, they'll say, oh, it's, it's the old man from scene 24. From scene 24. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, like, where they break the wall and everything. Because there was an introduction going in where they were like, and now for scene 24. And then I like to imagine the fourth thing. wall for Monty Python is just like a doorway out to the patio. Oh yeah, like there's no yeah. wall at all. Yeah, you just walk out there, just have a scene. It's an open floor plan. Have some tea. Yeah, have a nice relaxing time breaking the metaphysical bounds of your movie, and then just go back to what you were doing. Exactly. Yeah. So, talk to the old man. He cackles and he vanishes into nothing. Uh, find out they need to go to see an enchanter. I think I'm probably about to skip a little bit because I just want to get straight to the yeah, enchanter. Yeah, it's so nonsensical. Like, yeah. It's Monty Python. That's why it's supposed to be. They find the oh. You're skipping. You're just missing the part where they like wander around for a few years and there's the some animation. Oh, and the shrubbery. Oh, I can't skip the shrubbery. Oh, yeah, because we gotta go knee. Knee. All right. So one of the main things when they're going to try to find this enchanter is they're going through these woods that are very foggy. And dark, they don't really know what's there. And we come across these knights who you can pick up through context are just not someone you want to run into because they have a forbidden word that causes pain. And that word is me. What was it? Me. I'm sorry. Could one more time? One more time. Me. A, a bit louder. Do you want me to just shout at you? No. You I sure? want you to make the neighbors come over and ask what we're doing. Well, then I'll just say me. What? <laughs> That's how loud I want him to say it. Anyway, Knights keep saying saying me at, uh, it's Arthur and, um, Beauregard? Beldevere. Beldevere. My bad. I don't know sorry, why Sorry, Terry Jones. Your character is great. I'm sorry. I'm a disappointment. Anyway. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they need to get them a shrubbery so that they can pass through. Not an expensive one, though. Just it needs to look nice. I think this was just a whole plot for landscaping. Like, they just couldn't afford landscaping. So they we'll see. It's another yeah. one of their ads. Because they, they're sellouts. Well, no, and because... <laughs> When they did bring, the, they went to town and they talked to Roger the Shrubber and they bought a shrubbery and they brought the it back. <laughs> and then the knights, who then changed their name, said, Bring us another one. Bring us another and, shrubbery. And set it here. Set it slightly higher. To have that stair step effect. Makes a nice path through the middle. And they had, like, the little fence and everything. It yeah, was kind of yeah. cute. I want to go back to, real quick, Roger the Shrubber, because one of the things that we uh, went over while we were watching the movie is his hair. Yeah, um, he's got that, like, V bangs. Oh. If anyone knows Dragon Ball, he had the Vegeta haircut, but only half of it. <laughs> it so did. half his head is just swooping down to his nose, and the other half is just... 
Like a straight, like oh. a really long bowl cut. Yeah. Think of like the pointy bangs that some goth girls get. Like bat vent, bat like bangs. a widow's peak. It's yeah. like a widow's in peak, a way. but it's like a widow's Everest at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is what happens when you go through a bad breakup. <laughs> <laughs> they just went through a bad breakup and got that asymmetrical bob with the widow's Well, you know face. how Roger probably got his hair cut is he used his garden trimmers. Oh, a bit of that. historical context from Webb the history major. Oh, that wasn't historical at all. I'm just saying <laughs> he's a gardening person. Okay, <laughs> I will never make another hair. joke. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a joke in itself? Probably. Obviously. I'm sorry, Megan. Nobody f***ing <laughs> likes me in <laughs> Well, hey, at least I have to be invited back. Yeah, well... <laughs> See, this is the episode where the whole joke is that uh, Webb will never be on here again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're pouring more water. <laughs> I'm just making it louder this time. <laughs> Please do. Why does it pour out so slowly? It's a filter. Yeah, but still. Plus there's barely any in it because you drank the whole pitcher. There's still like a good eighth. Web. I drink a lot of water, okay? <laughs> I also watch a lot of movies, but like, we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on the water, I guess. So. Shrubberies. Shrubbery. They get the shrubbery. They find out the knights who say me cannot hear the word it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> just keep going. Can't hear the word it without absolutely recalling in pain. So. <laughs> you go what? I love being a guest. Okay. Um, they eventually just give up. And realize they can't really do anything because the guy who's playing the main uh, chief at the Knights of Saint is on a ladder. So uh, they keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Till eventually a year passes, another animation where it goes uh, from spring into summer, summer into in- winter, so that's and then what all suddenly that was about. into uh, summer again. Summer again, and then it like, goes into fall. Fall, and then they yeah. just kind of skip around. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Seasons. Yeah. And then they finally get to the Enchanter, oh, God. who introduces him. himself as the Enchanter that some call Tim. Tim. And there's actually a common misconception with that line, because he pauses so long before he says Tim, that a bunch of people thought that he forgot the actual name of the Enchanter, so he just made up that it was Tim. But John Cleese has come out and said that it was that's not true, and his name was always Tim. Okay, but hear me out. Do you want to believe John Cleese? That's the real question, folks. I don't want to answer that question. There we go. All right, yeah, so... Yeah, because what if he listens, right? Yeah. John Cleese, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm not. John Cleese, I don't trust you. All right. <laughs> and out of that exchange, John Cleese would probably side with Webb. I know. Just remember what's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'll be hanging out with John Cleese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've spent so much time on the shrubbery. Have we moved? Yeah, we got to we the moved Enchanter. Yeah, we moved on. Uh, so the Enchanter tells them that they need to go into this cave to find some writing on the wall that will tell them where the Grail is. But 
cave is guarded by a very dangerous creature that has killed many and left bones in its wake. It's the worst thing you've ever seen in your entire life. It hurts it's, your eyes to look at it. It's a little white bunny rabbit. Yep. Yes. Now mind you, how do they handle the white rabbit? How do they get past it? They need to get into this cave. So naturally they send in one of their knight who has not previously been in any scene so i guess he's expendable he came from scene 24 probably yeah really no i think that was a joke no oh. it was a bad joke so they send this unnamed knight in to fight the rabbit because they're like oh big deal it's a rabbit it's a bunny yeah and then he gets brutally attacked and killed his head gets uh, chewed off if i'm correct it's very yes. bloody yeah for a comedy movie I mean, not as bloody as the Black Knight scene, but, you know. Which we skipped over. Yeah. We'll but we can get it. back to that. We'll get into the highlights later. Now, the rabbit kills them, and they all just decide, all right, well, one person isn't enough. Let's charge it. So they lose the rest of their extras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the budget the <laughs> And then they bring in... Well, funeral expenses for the extras, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they bring in another ongoing trope where King Arthur just yells, run away. Which he says a lot, even right. though he, even though he's not the not so brave one. But besides yeah. the point. So they get uh, some of the priests to bring out one of their holy relics to help them out through those. The holy hand grenade. I would yuck, compare yeah. it to like the Ark of the Covenant, you know? Yeah. That. Yeah. But it's the Ark of the Covenant, but it's a grenade. Yeah. So it so steps it up. So they bring it out, and then they have the reading from the... The Book of Arms. Yeah, which isn't a real book in the Bible. Oh, God. But they read out this long passage that reads like it would be in the Bible. It really does sound like it, yeah. <laughs> and they basically say, <clears throat> you have to pull the pin and count to three, and then go on the spiel about how it has to be three, and it can't be... Four and it can't be two unless you say three after. Nay, shall you count to four? <laughs> nor five. Five, five is, is right five. out. <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting ready to lobbyist thy holy hand grenade, and King Arthur pulls the pin. One, two, five. <laughs> and then everybody corrects him and says three. Oh, three. Three. And then throws it. Which technically. It was four seconds, if you really think about it. But it, it didn't say how long the counting had to be. It just said that you had to count to three. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense. I get it now. Look, Megan. <laughs> what if you start at zero? Ooh. Does anybody do that? No. Only Someone if you're only to. if you're counting backwards. Math you end majors. on zero. We don't talk about math majors. Anyway, so they kill the <laughs> rabbit. They kill the rabbit, and they go into the cave, and they find the carving on the wall, and they have the the monk guy yeah. read it, only to find that the guy carving it died right before they... <laughs> the s- guy carving it like it wasn't Joseph of Arimathea. <laughs> Joseph Arimathea. He's just some guy, though. Yeah, you know. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember his name. Please, Even sue me. I remembered it. Anyway, he died right before he carved the name of where they would find the Holy Grail. 
only for them to realize that there's another monster in the cave. The ten-eyed black beast monster. Something. The, yeah, the black beast or something. Which, Which it's, not, you, it's not black. Yeah, it's green and blue. And they didn't have enough money to like do practical effects. They just animated it. I think that's one of the but reasons why. But I think actually, that probably cost more. Really? I think I think <laughs> oh they God. made it animated so they wouldn't have to figure out how to kill it. Yeah. yeah. Because instead of having a traditional, oh, they slayed the beast Aha, and it was they mighty. They stabbed its heart. They just said that the animator had a heart attack and then oh, it was yeah, over. Oh yeah, that's right. Still technically stabbing its heart. Just naturally instead of with a sword, you know? Yeah, because heart attacks are so natural. <laughs> you will! <laughs> they are! <laughs> I don't see someone running out with a device just be like, ah, I'm going to give people heart attacks! Um, have you never seen Death Note? Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Which one? The cartoon. The. <laughs> <laughs> The anime. We have to cut that. I don't want someone to kill me. <laughs> well, we gotta keep that. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Netflix original. We don't. Oh, no. <laughs> Who? No. I can't say that with a straight face. Nope. <laughs> I think we also left out the bit about the bridge. Oh. Or was that not yet? That's next. Okay. Yeah. So, excusing Light Yagami killing uh, the animator, um... <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> drink some more water <laughs> okay someone else talk more, more water <laughs> so we move on there's like way too much to talk about in this well long, long story short after they get through this they go across the bridge where they have to answer questions and some people live and some people die and whatever it's life yeah it happens it's a circle of life so they get it's just king arthur and patsy right or no it's king arthur and Beldivere. i'm gonna say his name differently every time the man with the handlebar mustache yeah uh, yes in the high-pitched voice right yes. terry jones yeah so king arthur and terry jones they see this castle and they're like man that's it so they get onto this boat and they cross the water and they get there and they're like, please let us in. We know the grail is here. And the French guy comes over and he's like, ah, back again. I'm going to taunt you again. That's right. John Cleese strikes back. So they're like, whatever. And they run away and they leave and they call the armies and they're going to storm the castle and it's going to be great and mighty and victorious. And then the cops show up. They had to arrest someone for the murder of the, a famous historian. He's a famous historian. So they yeah. start arresting everybody, and then the light, cheery music from the 22nd intermission that came three quarters of the way through the movie comes on, and then it just, the screen cuts to white and it's over. No end credits, nothing. My jaw literally dropped when that happened. I was like, are you f***ing kidding me? I mean, the end's always funny, but honestly, I think... Just Meredith and me had more fun laughing yeah, at your reaction. Because, because you said, oh, the Grail is going to be something stupid. No, it's there not going to be no something grail. stupid. <laughs> they don't have the money for a Grail. <laughs> oh, but they had the money for one horse and a bunch of coconuts. Only one. <laughs> Mind you, the coconuts were imported by African swallows. Are you implying that? They- 
<laughs> they carried it on a line. Well, they didn't say for sure that it was the African swallows. True. After all, African swallows aren't migratory. Right. Coconuts, on the other hand... Are. Possibly. Right? I think they are. I believe coconuts can migrate. It's, do they, like, just... They just roll into the water and see where it takes them. Like yeah. a clam? Well, no, because clams actually can move. I know well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I had no idea. You're welcome. Okay. So that's basically it, like, for the plot. It's really loaded. It's, yeah. We even left a few things out that we're going to come back to. We have to, yeah. Because <clears throat> one of the parts that uh, we skipped over is honestly just one of the funniest scenes yeah. of the whole movie. Okay, so next is kind of our analysis, or our take on it. So, one of the things that definitely we need to talk about is British comedy, because it's totally different from American comedy, and, I mean, any place that you go to, it's gonna be different. There's certain things that you can say, there's certain things that you can't say, so... It's like... For all the people here in America that love The Office, and then they're like, I'm going to watch the UK Office, and then they're like, what is this? Still mm-hmm. off topic, I love the UK Office. Of course you do. It's so good. Yeah. Monty Python is like a precursor to the British Office. Oh, it's so funny. It's so dark. So. But there's just this kind of... Not necessarily arrogance about British comedy, but it's like offbeat and almost. It's like the comedic timing is just different between American and British comedy. Yeah, there's not always a punchline. Yeah, it's more like um, with American comedy, you have uh, build up, set up, and then punchline. But with British comedy, it can just be there punchline. is no setup, there is. Nothing leading up to it. It's just punchline. Or they'll just put it in, like, any order that they feel like. Yeah, it's like, it could just go in any order, because regardless, you're going to laugh. Right. I had a theater teacher one time say that it was, like, with American comedy, it's like you have to apologize afterward, after saying your joke, but British comedy, you don't. That's true. And also, Monty Python does this thing where, and sometimes, like... It's even throughout their show. It's not necessarily that they apologize for it. Mm -hmm. They don't apologize for it. but they never do. (laughs) Yeah, they never do. But sometimes they'll start the joke, and instead of having a real punchline or a real setup, they'll just have another character come in and say, no, we're not going to do this. This is done. This is too much. So basically the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They basically, like, cut it off before you get to what's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And that is the punchline, though. Yeah, is that there's there's nothing to laugh at. It's like, I guess one of my favorite, if we're going a little bit into the show, while we're on topic, uh, scenes in Flying Circus is the bicycle repairman joke, where everybody in the world is Superman, and that is the only setup bit to it. And someone's bike breaks, so they need a hero. Bicycle repairman is on the scene, zooms in, changes outfits to a repair person's outfit instead of a Superman costume, and then just fixes the bike and walks away. But that's their whole thing, is like, everything is silly. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the word that they use a lot because oh, yeah. there's not really any other word for it. It's just almost random, the things that they'll throw at you. It edges on random. But somehow it works. Like, they're the probably their most famous sketch is the dead parrot <laughs> sketch, where this man walks into a pet store and is like, I would like to return this parrot because it's dead. And the man behind the counter is like, it's not dead. It's sleeping. And so they go on this whole, they're bickering with each other, and it just escalates and escalates, and then they have it kind of come and go, where they'll switch to another sketch, but then they'll find a way to tie back into the parrot sketch where they kind of just do a runaround. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in Holy Grail, oh, too. Yeah. I mean, the whole bit with the police. Yeah. I mean, if true. we want to talk about them bringing jokes back... The one that we absolutely have to talk about is the spam skit. Yeah. Because spam is in everything they do. Right. They had the sketch in Flying Circus <sighs> where for some reason the entrance to it is there's this restaurant and instead of coming through the door, these two people, these two patrons to the restaurant just float down into their chairs. Nobody mentions it. Nope. Totally normal. And they ask what's on the menu and the lady behind the counter says all these different things and all of them have spam and some of them have like four spams in there and the one lady says, I don't like spam. So they have this whole thing and then all these Vikings start singing this little song about spam. It's very random. It sounds random, but in context it's great. Yeah. In fact, like the spam thing carries on throughout in the movie too. Yeah. Because like you have spam mentioned during uh, the Camelot scene, mm-hmm. and in fact, the theatrical version of the film is called Spamalot. Yeah, and it's like the musical version of the movie. Yeah. Oh. Which I think they're working on. I heard I saw Eric Idle tweet that they're filming for Spamalot the movie. I like that. Okay. Um, I'm excited. Not now. sure when we should be on the lookout for that, but it should be exciting. I'll go to. So, um, after talking about, like, just British comedy in general, um, we kind of got on the topic of, is this the Shakespeare of comedy, meaning, like, is this the precursor to certain comedy? I mean, okay, I think it is in some ways, because a lot of the, the Python's humor is carried over into other stuff, so for example... Without the Pythons, we don't get comedians like um, Eric Andre or Hannibal Burris, who both use a lot of random humor Mm -hmm. that's built up sort of like the Pythons, but more with an American flavoring. So I like to view it as they set a foundation, but the people who built on that foundation came after them. I mean, if you think about Portlandia, if you've ever seen that, oh, yeah. they kind of, like with the police officers, how they keep going back to the mm-hmm. same joke. They do that in Portlandia a lot. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's great. But, um, and they have the same kind of recurring characters. And maybe that kind of has to do with, like, skit comedy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, like, in the late 60s, early 70s, you have Monty Python's Flying Circus, which is sketch-based. And then years later, I, Webb, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. like late 70s, early 80s is when we kind of have the rise of SNL. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's actually it. And then know. after SNL, a couple years after SNL, in Canada, we have SCTV, which is like, because, you know, Canada is part British, part French, mm. so they have that tie to America because they're so close, 
but with all the influence of the European comedy that the Mon- that the the Pythons yeah. brought. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's even Mad TV in Living Color. Yeah. And other things like that. I as mean, well. if we want to talk about their impact comedically through animation, without it, you don't get a lot of the early stuff that uh, well, later stuff technically, that like magazines like Mad Magazine would use. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, when Mad Magazine went to Cartoon Network and started doing their own show with them, there are still stuff that is similar to Python humor. Yeah. Because of the foundation that was set there, it's ingrained in comedy now. But I know, like, when I see things, sometimes I'll see it, and it's funny, and I'll laugh, and then I think about it, it's like, that's, I use the word Python-esque, because it's very in the sense of Monty Python. Like, they, like Webb said, they just really laid the foundation for a lot of things. It's like Eric Andre will do something that's really crude, but funny, but still is Python-esque because of how he went about doing it. Yeah. And, like, when y'all were first talking about the Shakespeare, like, the precursor yeah. to certain comedies, I was kind of skeptical about it because I didn't realize at what time Monty Python, like, all that started. Oh, yeah, the film came out in 75. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of makes me a little less skeptical about yeah. that. It makes me understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the biggest recurring jokes that we haven't mentioned already mm-hmm. are the Swallows. Oh, oh God, yeah. the swallows. And that's probably one of the biggest jokes, in my opinion, to come out of this movie. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows it. Yeah. European or African. So, they because they couldn't afford horses, they used coconuts. And when they first get to a castle, they ask, why do you have coconuts? And it goes on to this big thing where coconuts are tropical, we don't get them here. But we're in a temperate zone. And they say that maybe they were brought here by something. They migrated... Are you implying that coconuts migrate? <laughs> and then they say... Maybe an African swallow carry it. Ah, but African swallows aren't migratory. <laughs> so well, European ones are, though. It's a matter of rate, weight ratios. So, they get... So, King Arthur keeps getting cut off by these people asking questions about where the coconuts came from and the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. And throughout the movie... It keeps coming back. How can a five-ounce bird carry a one-pound coconut? And, like, even before the witch scene, there's this guy tying a coconut to a bird, which yeah. I don't... It kind of looked like a dove to me, but... And we haven't talked about the witch scene. We have yet. a bunch of scenes yeah. we need to go over. Do you yeah. want to do the witch scene? We can go ahead and do the witch scene. Okay. So, um... The witch scene is just kind of our introduction to the very first night at the round table. And how they present it is a bunch of peasants are carrying this woman who's been just dressed up like a witch and they're screaming and hollering. They're so excited because they have a witch. They're just like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to burn somebody. (laughs) Uh, So the night, he's like this scientist night, quotes around scientist. His science is sound. And he's trying to say, well, how do we know she's really a witch? So it kind of evolves from a... Wood. Witches burn. Well, well, first they comment on her appearance and say she's got the nose She's got the nose, but they put it on her. And they, yeah, so they find out that... But she has a wart. And then John Cleese says, she turned me into a newt. But he's standing right there. So it's silent for a minute, and then he says... I got better. 
Which really plays into the comedic timing. <coughs> oh, yeah. You were talking about John Cleese was... I'll get into it when we get to that part of it. Mm-hmm. But um, so the idea here is that witches burn, therefore they had to be made of wood. Uh, and because wood floats... Ducks also float. So they have to weigh the same. So they have to see if this woman weighs the same as a duck. Yeah. And the scale, they put them both on the really big scale, and for like a brief moment, they line up, so they all say she's a witch. Now, the part that really kills me here is that uh, John Cleese, in the scene, he has this one part where he basically just questions and just goes, wood? But uh, he kept changing his comedic timing on every single take of it. So the take they ended up using, uh, the pause was 18 minutes long. So there was the line before 18 minutes passed. And then he finally said it, which caused a bunch of the people who were working there to not really be able to keep their composure. Because they couldn't move on from the scene until John Cleese said his line. Yeah. Uh, Which led to a really great... (laughs) Where Eric Idle is trying not to laugh, so you see him move his scythe like in front of his mouth, and he kind of like bites down on it to keep from laughing. Just trying to stifle his laughter. There are there are several times in the movie where you can oh, kind of yeah. pick up on people like smiling or trying not to laugh, and it's like I like picking out those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. When people start corpsing, it gets really funny. Is that what it's called? Yeah, corpsing is when uh, you break your character because. Uh, you're trying real hard not to laugh or like do something else. Uh, it happens a lot in comedy movies when they're filming. At Jimmy Fallon. No. <laughs> no, he used to do that a whole lot. He used to corpse? On SNL, yeah. Oh, oh, he did, yeah. I forgot he was on SNL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of recurring jokes that we don't really have time to talk about them all. But they're not hidden at all, so when you watch this movie, you can. Legitimately, pick this up is on one it. of those films that you should just go watch, because if you're listening to people talk about it, you get a good idea for it. Yeah. But watching it is just so yeah, good. Yeah, there's nothing that can be said about it that is the same as experiencing it. Yeah. But I have to say, don't watch it by yourself. Oh, yeah. Not in like a horror movie way, but in like a. It's more funny when there's more people to laugh about it together. Grab some wine with your friends, sit down, drink a few bottles of it, and then watch the <laughs> film, you know? Wine, yeah. wine is optional. You definitely it's have to It's optional, but it helps. You definitely have to be with the right people, because it was more funny, because I tried to watch it with somebody else back in the day, and I just couldn't. It wasn't funny at all. But, like, listening to y'all laugh made it funny for me. But it's also one of those things where it's like, if somebody just tries to tell you about it and tell you the jokes, you're like, I don't really see how it's funny. Yeah. But then when you see it, you're like, these guys are geniuses. You just really can't break the timing of the pythons. It's just so good. One recurring joke that I particularly liked and that we have to talk about is the I'm getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever he's... uh, So they're going through this village and... Well, call him the Undertaker, I guess. Bring out your dead. Yeah, <laughs> he's yelling, "Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead!" And then yeah. this one guy comes up carrying this old man, who's obviously not dead, and um, 
so he's trying to conv- to convince the Undertaker to take the guy, <laughs> even though he's not dead yet. Yeah, and he keeps saying, like, it's against regulation. It's against regulation. I can't, I can't do, do it. it. And the old man is just like, please, I'm not dead. I feel so much better. I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> I'm going to take a walk. No, you're not. <laughs> but he just really wants to get rid of this old man. <laughs> and just great because that scene just plays out like he's just the milkman he doesn't know what's going on yeah he's, he's just doing mixed bottles like just doing his job and there are several other times in the movie whenever someone says oh i'm not dead yet like the newt. yeah uh the black knight even he doesn't oh, yeah. straight up say i'm not dead yet but it's a flesh wound yeah it's but a scratch yeah he has no limbs but he'll bite you <laughs> And then you have in the wedding scene, the the, oh, the, yeah. the bride's dad is supposedly dead, and they're like, "Oh, I think he's okay. He's not dead yet." And then the son, your mortally wounded father. No, he's perfectly fine. He's getting up. He's, and he's getting the, over it. The son who fell out of the tower, they say he's dead. He comes back in, and they're like, "Oh, he's alive. He's got better." And you know. He wanted to sing that whole time, but he never gets to sing, yeah. even though everybody else around him gets to sing. That kind of made me sad. That made me sad. But even before the wedding scene, that makes when, me sad. when the son, when the prince writes the note and shoots it in the arrow out of the oh, window, yeah, and it hits the, uh, his, what is his, his name is, like, it's like, it starts with it starts a C. C, yeah. Anyway, it's so the guy who's carrying his, supplies. His, his page or whatever gets hit in the chest with the arrow, and he says, oh, message for you, sir, which is one of my favorite bits of the whole movie. It's yeah. um, a good bit. And he's like, you will not die in vain. I will go save this boy. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not dead. I think one of the writers... You're mortally wounded, though. One of the writers has just a real problem with the concept of death. <laughs> They're just scared. Yeah. <laughs> They're just it up man it's still funny it is funny so as is this your first experience sitting through something from monty python in its entirety yes what were your thoughts on it uh well like i said earlier it i wouldn't say a language barrier but more of a dialect barrier um (laughs) sorry i thought you're gonna get water again (laughs) so that kind of threw me back a little bit and really a lot of the reasons why I was laughing is because y'all were laughing and I, I don't know there was things that I would catch that would be kind of funny I don't know uh it was like the anticipation of it because we would see it coming and start laughing before the joke yeah. even started yeah yeah. Like, the credits are probably the best example of that. Or approaching the French castle. Oh, God. I was... Or like, Lancelot running. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, covering my mouth with my shirt because I didn't want to ruin it, even though that kind of ruins it itself. Because you know I'm trying not to laugh. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's been hyped up a lot to me. Not necessarily, like, by y'all, but everybody who watches it are like... Oh my god, it's so great and everything. Which, I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty funny, but I don't know if I would continue to watch it or anything. Or watch it again. Did you have a favorite part? Because like Webb and I were saying earlier, it definitely follows 
the sketch format where it's not necessarily a continuous plot it's just a series of sketches that all follow the same theme so did you have a little sketch bit that was your favorite I think just because I remembered it so well probably the um bring out your dead that yeah. kind of thing and I liked the the witch hunt as well for me it's like nothing tops King Arthur looking at the Black Knight saying you make me sad. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. It's almost like it doesn't fit the time frame, which I think this movie does a really good job. I mean, Webb, you are into all that yeah. history stuff. When you <laughs> yeah, saw, just a history when you, major. When you see this movie... I do other things. <laughs> when you see this movie, it looks like it would be... I, I don't know the era... It's uh, the 10th century. Yeah, so it looks like so it would be... Ages. They said it was like the 938 ages. AD. Yeah. 923 AD, yeah. Oh. This is started in the Dark Ages. So, it feels like it would be a movie about an Arthur- Arthurian legend or whatever. Yeah. I struggled really hard to say that, so I'm sorry. You made it. <laughs> so, it just it really looks like it would be an Arthurian legend, but then it's so funny and... It, I think it's so funny. I mean, Megan said otherwise, but I can't hold it against her. Hey, even all of it, it's not the funniest comedy thing ever created. I think it's pretty high on the list. Oh, it's high up there. It's just not the best. I do have a question for you, though, Megan. Hmm. Uh, so, having watched this, do you think you'd watch any of the other Monty Python stuff? Maybe, like, the show... I okay. definitely recommend the show. Yeah, I don't want to sit through like a whole another couple hours on that. Yeah, I feel like because I have a short attention span, that's kind of like why I don't mm-hmm. watch movies a whole lot. I'm trying to, but definitely I would watch like parts of the show, like on YouTube or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Did this turn you off from British comedy in any way? Well, the thing is, I haven't, like, watched a whole lot of British comedy. The most, like, British television that I've really watched is a couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, all of, like, BBC's Sherlock. Uh What else have I watched? I don't know. I just don't watch a whole lot of British television. Or, yeah. Just... Because, I don't know. I mean, it's literally an ocean away. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I don't need to be cultured. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Culture. No, what a but silly idea. I don't know. I and you know Sherlock is more dramatic than anything. There's a couple mm-hmm. of funny points, but it's not. Yeah. Anything like Monty Python. Like, right. this isn't all of British comedy by any means. Yeah. It's definitely just the most recognizable. Yeah. And I have tried watching um, the UK's Office. Yeah, I did too. I couldn't get very far. No. Even with even being a fan of Monty Python, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get that far into UK Even oh, being a fan Richard of Martin Gervais. Freeman. Yeah. I, I like him in Idiot Abroad, but that's more of a yeah, reality. Yeah, that's more just because he's torturing his friend. Yeah. <laughs> No, I just like Ricky Gervais and Afterlife. I just... Because to me, Monty Python is is it. If you're a comedy nerd, you know Monty Python and you swear by it. Yeah, I mean, like, there's knowing it and swearing by it, but even then, it's like, you still build up on it. 
Because well, because I mean, you can't say that other things are better and funnier because a lot of a lot of it wouldn't really be the same if it weren't for the foundation that you said Monty Python laid out. No, I agree with that. But I'm saying is, are you going to compare the foundation, or are you going to compare everything that's been built on top of it? Because if so, you're comparing something that's more barebone and set the ground for everything compared to stuff that improved upon it. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think you have to. I I like to stick with the original. I like to go back to origins and things. No, I get it. I mean, just in my case, yeah. I still appreciate the origins and still watch it, but like, yeah. it doesn't mean that I don't want to go out of my way to maybe like rewatch Shaun of the Dead for the third time oh, because yeah, you know it's a good piece of British comedy too. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So we kind of already talked about the end and how. It, it, British comedy doesn't yeah it doesn't necessarily have to have a punchline and the fact that there isn't a punchline is kind of the punchline yeah, yeah. pretty much uh, then, it's a little too philosophical <laughs> it's true it's more just lazy but you know <laughs> y'all are just hating <laughs> so uh, the production value is one thing because we already really talked about the credits yeah. yeah there's no end credits which even makes the end more Shocking in a way. Shocking yeah. wouldn't be a good word. Abrupt. Yeah, yeah, definitely abrupt. Um, so the production value. It was obviously low budget. It was their yeah. first movie. Oh. Yeah. Shows how much I know and have been listening. <laughs> so it was, yeah, so it was their first movie. They couldn't afford horses, like we said, except for the one. Except for one. They only filmed at one castle. Yeah. It was the Dune Castle, and they just shot it at different angles for each time they needed a new castle. And that's one of the reasons c- that we didn't put goofs in here, is because... Almost everything was intentional. Yes, definitely. So, like, with, I compared it to the Evil Dead. It was like, they were actually trying, so it made the goofs much funnier. Right. Now, with this, is that it? they don't give a oh, Like, that was oh, basically yeah. They were it. just having a well, good time. And I mean, I think, I like to think of it more as they wanted to make a good movie, but when they saw an obstacle, instead of trying to go around it and look professional, they were like, well, we'll just deal with it and make a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, why cover it up when we could uncover something funny with it which i think made it way funnier in all honesty i agree yeah so let's kind of get into i guess some history because webb our local history major (laughs) history journalism i do it all (laughs) so let's talk about the insults i mean the obviously one of the most quoted parts is your mom is a hamster, yeah. and your dad smells of elderberries. So that insult has actually been around for a very long time. Uh, it translates roughly to your mother was a whore and your father is a drunk. Uh, I like how you said it so seriously. Well, that's, yeah, pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, just derail me like that. Uh, no, but like... The insults that they use throughout the film all have some sort of historical backing, uh, which just, they sound really silly, but 
stuff like that that was said in the movie back then would have been something you'd go and kill someone over. I bite your my thumb at the. I bite my thumb at you. Yeah. I Which is pretty in much the equivalent. <laughs> that one just shows that you're disrespectful. That you just that <laughs> I you don't think, even view them no, as really as a person. I, bite your thumb at them is kind of like the middle finger. Yeah. Well, I think. They were going for that bite my thumb at you with the fart in your general direction. Yeah. I see it as kind of the same thing. I mean, well, yeah. Like, I'm saying historically, that's what it is. Oh, okay. I was misunderstanding yeah. what you said. No, all the insults they use have a historical basis, yeah. which makes them really cool to look at. Uh, some of the other history that we have there is actually like a, the throwing of livestock. That's something that's actually been used in siege warfare quite a bit. So. Let's say that you're trying to take a castle and you just, they have way too much food and you can't stop them and you don't know what you're going to do. Launch a diseased cow over the wall uh, because then they all get the plague. And you know you can't fight a war if you have the plague. Well, it's chemical it's... warfare, just really early chemical warfare. That's a good way to, th- well, biological warfare. Biological, my bad, yeah. The web. Do you really know anything? Not really. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't trying to correct you. I was trying to add on. I promise. I think, I think we should correct him. Okay. Oh, please do. Uh, think, yeah, because he's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well Y'all if you if you are enjoying this episode, stop it right now. He's not coming back. <laughs> Even if you follow us on Twitter and tweet us every day. <laughs> How do I put this? You're not even gonna let me plug my stuff either. I already feel like. But, what stuff? <laughs> yeah, well. uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of burning bridges like the hosts of this podcast are doing, the bridge yeah. that's actually used in the Bridge of Death is an actual bridge that is just that rickety and bad. It was missing like six panels in a row. How do you cross that? Carefully. Yeah. You jump. Carefully. I it's would... a legitimate bridge in Scotland. Like in Shrek. Think of the bridge in Shrek. But worse. <laughs> you can't say anything about Shrek and say worse. Donkey! I'm just pointing that out. Um, no, but legitimately, like, the stuff they have in there is very historically accurate. And even going with the Arthurian le- legend, they have good references to it that make it really funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, how even King Arthur got into his kingship. Oh, yeah. Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. We're an, anarcho- like com- we're an anarcho-commune society. We have a different executive every other week. Um. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Woke AF. <laughs> Look, they were ahead. I'm just saying. They were ahead in the 10th century. Yeah. Well, no, I, dying of plague. I mean, further than that, I just think Monty Python was really ahead. Oh, yeah, it's funny. They were always kind of political at some level of Yeah, their pushing joke. the boundary was kind of their thing. Yeah. So one of the things that Meredith mentioned was them actually not having a good time filming this. Yes. John Cleese, or maybe not John Cleese specifically, but one of them said that although this is their most popular film, none of them really think of it as being that good because they all have the awful memories of filming during it and how much it you know rained and the conditions that they were living in like they were not having a good time i mean wasn't it where'd they film is england scotland scotland Scotland, oh yeah so rain yeah yeah rain constant rain clouds and depression (laughs) (laughs) and comedy sounds like texas (laughs) we'll see now it's hot here 
Yeah, it's, we're hot and depressed, not rainy and depressed. Yeah. But, um, so tell us a little bit about um, the guy who played King Arthur. So Graham Chapman, at the time that they were filming this movie, was an alcoholic. And when they were doing things for the show, he would drink before filming to calm his nerves. But when they got to Scotland to film for the movie, nobody really brought alcohol with them. And they were too far away from the town to just go and buy some. So there are some scenes where you see Graham Chapman and he's just sweating and shaking and nervous. And at first they thought it was because he was the only one wearing real chainmail. Mm-hmm. His chainmail was like 25 pounds, so they thought it was too heavy and that he was just overheating in it because everybody else had chainmail that was just woven, like it was wool or something that was just painted to look like metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't the chainmail. He was he was having withdrawals, basically. Also, one of the actors, there's so many, I can't keep up with the names, but uh, something about being seduced. Yeah, that was also, also Graham Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Also Graham Chapman. Webb yeah. kind of talked about that. Uh, he apparently was seduced by an old fisherman and would just keep sneaking, like, really weird sort of letters and stuff into one of the actors' rooms at night. Yeah, Eric Idle, like, journaled about it. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. It's it's wild. <laughs> but um, another thing, a camera broke. Mm. Yeah. Terry Gilliam, uh, the director for the film, said that on the very first shot of the movie, the camera just broke. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sets the, the it's pace. It's pretty much for the rest just like I think Omen. I think that in and of itself is Python esque. Yeah. Like they have this whole movie planned out, they get all this funding from different places and then they're about to set up this great, awesome punchline, but the real punchline is that the camera breaks. Well, the camera just breaks. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what you'd expect from them, just in this case, it was the universe making a joke for them instead of them making it for the universe. Also, if this says anything about the budget, um, apparently Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and Genesis all contributed to the budget of the film. Yeah. So. Even though it's still not a big budget. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually, in some of their later films, like their second film, The Life of Brian, the only reason they were able to make that movie is because the Beatle, George Harrison, was personal friends with Eric Idle and read the script and said that he wanted to see the movie, so we paid for it. He made a whole production company. Just because he wanted to see the movie. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's kind of cool how even after they get all this, you know, credit and they become so popular, they're still picking up funds from they're still getting money in yeah yes let's do it okay so we're kind of getting toward the end here so what are our personal thoughts usually we rate like one out of one to five stars i'll let y'all go first web the guest you can go first yeah i rate it four out of five african swallows (laughs) why four out of five because, I, like like I said, it's a really good comedy movie, but it's still not perfect. Right. You can't really expect that from the foundation here. There, are, It's definitely one of the best comedy pieces for me, but I know other stuff that I laugh at more. Mm. This is my fifth favorite movie of all time. In my tentative top ten list, this is number five. Okay. 
So I kind of agree with the four, but just because I want to be a little bit better than Webb, I'm going to say four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. A quarter. Of what, yeah. though? Coconuts. Coconuts. Migratory <laughs> coconuts. Migratory coconuts. God. Now I have to think of Megan? some shit rating. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't have it ready. <clears throat> no, I'm... Let me see. I don't know, because... I mean, after talking about it, I guess I kind of appreciate it more. But just watching it, I would have probably done, like, almost a three, maybe. I know y'all probably are like, what no, the <laughs> But almost a three, I guess, out of, I guess, almost three dead bodies. I don't know. Someone brought out their dead. Yeah. So not a lot. That family down the road had nine dead bodies. <laughs> well, he wasn't going to be back until Thursday. Well, yeah, duh. I mean, the card's already pretty full. So, I guess this is about time where we say goodbye. Thank you, Webb, for joining us, even though you're never going to come back. Oh, that's totally fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, anything else y'all want to add? If you liked Webb as our guest... Be sure to go onto our Twitter and let us know, even though he's never coming back. Or feel free to follow me at Web the Idiot on Twitter or behind me at about 10 paces while I have headphones in, so I don't know. Wait, what? what? <laughs> Followers. 10 paces? Ten follow, paces. follow him at 10 paces. I don't want to know I'm being followed. So That's that you're behind saying. him, but he can't see you. Oh, I, th- I was thinking like that was a social media or oh, something. Okay, God, no. well, because that joke was a flop, he really is never coming back. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm going to be taking the water, though. Uh, no. No. I got that Brita filter for Christmas. <laughs> All right, guys, so we're going to head on out if there's not anything else. Um, and we will see you, talk to you next week with our first in our... Halloween, October, spooktacular, doesn't have an official name yet, extravaganza. Yes, we will. I'm excited for that. (laughs) Yeah, spooky. All right, thank you for listening. Bye, Bye, guys. Now go away or I shall taunt you a second time.